Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. We said at the onset of this series that many of the things that we would discuss in this series are countercultural, certainly, and in many instances counterintuitive to who we are as human beings and, and the spirit that, of humanity that is in us. Uh, there are certain things that we just... There are certain biblical principles, I'll say this, that just kind of rub our humanness the wrong way, don't they? Uh, it kind of cuts against the grain of who we are as, as people. And today's subject is one of those things, that it is both countercultural, it is counterintuitive, uh, with so many differing ideologies espoused by such a diversity of people in our society and so many different points of view. Um, it gives rise to the opportunity for us to feel compelled to assert ourselves, to assert our opinions, really in places that in the grand scheme of things don't really matter. Um, but, you know, I, how many of you like to be right? Somebody said they met their wife and they knew she was Mrs. Wright. They found out later, however, that her first name was Always. <laughs> That's not a good mix because we all like to be right sometimes, right? Uh, we all like to win the argument. We all like to prove our point and get our message across but today we're returning to Matthew chapter 5 and we're going to pick up at verse 9 and we're going to hear Jesus say these words blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the children of God. If I seem tentative in my approach to this message this morning, if there seems like there's any hesitancy at all in my voice, it is this. That as I read the words of our Savior that say, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And then I survey the landscape around me, the social climates and things that are going on in our society. I've got to tell you that it is with a heavy heart that I share this message today. I could spend, I shared with Pastor Trey earlier this morning, I could spend hours and hours and weeks upon weeks just simply on this premise of being a peacemaker for the kingdom of God. Of laying aside my own pride, my own prejudices, my own points of view even, in order that the kingdom of God might be the priority in my life and the kingdom of God might be the priority in my relationships and the kingdom of God might become the lens through which I view individuals around me. I, I know it's hard sometimes to view people around us through the lens of the kingdom. 
especially when it seems like they could have or they should have done something else than what they're presently doing or things that they're involved in. I, I know there's a great degree of difficulty in that, but there's a call from our Lord that says this, or there's a promise from Jesus that says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. So in today's message, I want to focus just simply on three main phrases here of this verse and consider what they mean for us. Number one, the number one phrase is blessed are the peacemakers. Number two, we're going to be talking about they will be called. And then number three, we're going to focus on that phrase children of God. So let's jump into our study together this morning. And the, the call, of course, is the, the call to believers is to contend for peaceable living. There's a, there's a call in Scripture for each of us to contend for peaceable living. In Romans chapter 12, verse 18, Paul says this, If it is possible, well, what would be the impossibility? Someone else's refusal. That's the only impossibility. I cannot be peaceable with somebody who insists on being hostile. I can be separate from them, but I cannot be peaceable with them because of their approach to things, their perspective of things. But Paul says here, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, there's the caveat, as much as it depends on you live at peace with everyone. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now I want to issue a disclaimer here with this verse. Because so many times we hear things like blessed are the merciful or blessed are the peacemakers or, or, or blessed are you know, this group or that. And we, we just we imagine a weak and very passive uh, posture in these things but not necessarily so because even in our call to be peacemakers we are never to condone sinful actions or principles that are contrary to God's truth in order to maintain the peace I'm not going to tell you that right is wrong and wrong is right just in order to maintain the peace if I'm sharing with you the absolute truth of the Word of God and that is disturbing to you in some way, then maybe the Holy Spirit's trying to get a hold of you, but I'm not going to change that just in order so that we can be peaceable in agreement. But there are a whole plethora of other things in the world that in the grand scheme of things, as they always say, a hundred years from now won't matter. And on those issues... I've got to be willing to bend. I've got to be willing to give. I've got to be, as the word says, as far as it depends on me to prioritize peaceable living between myself and my fellow man. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, here's the second disclaimer. We're never to compromise our convictions in order to satisfy someone else. We're never to compromise our convictions in order to satisfy someone else. You may live with convictions in your life and you may hold to things that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about and it may be entirely different than some of the ways and some of the means by which the Lord is dealing with other people. 
But we're never just to get along in order to go along or go along in order to get along. We've got to hold fast to what the Lord is convicting us to do or to be. Ephesians 4, 3, Paul reiterates this to the Ephesians church and he says, make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit. Not united in political preference. Not united in my opinion of situations and circumstances and, and social things that are going on around us, but keep yourselves united in the Spirit. That is a capital S, referencing here a spiritual deity, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, that we are to seek as a body of believers, as the church, to stay unified in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with what? Ephesians 4, 3. If you're following along, and obviously you're not. But we are to make every effort, effort to keep ourselves united in the Spirit, binding ourselves together with peace. With peace. You know, there's a correlation in the Scripture between salt and peace. And I don't know if you've ever picked up on this or not, but interestingly enough, when Jesus concludes this series of teaching that we call the Beatitudes, he immediately says to his hearers these, these words in Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Salt, in the context of Matthew 5 as we know it and have been taught, is that it represents a preservative against the sinfulness and the corruption in this world. You understand that. You've all been taught that lesson before. We know from eschatological studies or end-time studies that after the church has been taken out of the world, after the light of the church will be extinguished from this earth and the effect of its saltiness will no longer be any level of prohibitive against the corruption and the sinfulness, those things are going to skyrocket. You think it's bad here now? You wait until after the rapture of the church of Jesus Christ. It's going to get worse. Those things are going to be ramped up. They're going to reach new and exponential levels like we have not even begun to imagine. People will invent and create ways of wickedness. At least in our mind because we're not familiar with any such things. But in other words, there's going to be no restraint there's going to be nothing there to withstand the sinful nature of a depraved humanity. And Jesus concludes this section of teaching saying this, Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It would seem to me that Jesus is speaking to his followers about their witness in the world before sinful man using the analogies of salt and light. Now, if we turn over just a few handful of pages in our Bible to Mark chapter 9, verse 50, we read these words. Salt is good, 
But if it loses its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have you have salt among yourselves? Jesus here is speaking to his followers. Now, we, we've always read, studied, and understood the salty thing in the context of us. We're the righteous, we're the holy, we're going out into the world, we're being salty, we're, we're, pre- we're preventing the decay of wickedness in the communities around us and in our spheres of influence. We're there as a, a preserving agent. But in this, Jesus is speaking to his followers and he's saying, hey, not only do you need to have salt in the world, you need to have salt among yourselves. You need to have salt among yourselves and be at peace with each other. We back up to Paul's writing in Ephesians 4.3, make every effort to keep yourself united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. In the unity of the Spirit, how do we bind ourselves together in unity of the Spirit in the body of Christ? We bind ourselves together with peace. Peacemaking. Peacemaking. In Mark 9, as I said, the context appears that the emphasis of Jesus' teaching is towards his followers and their interactions now with one another. Jesus is encouraging believers that as they are interacting with other believers, they are to be a, there's to be a preservative measure including in their, included in their interaction. And chiefly, Jesus says, that they are to be at peace with one another. And as I said earlier, peacemaking is an act of preservation as it relates to the unity in the spirit of the body of Christ. Now let me tell you why that's so important. We believe from Scripture that we can't do anything lasting and effective apart from the enablement of the Holy Spirit. Zechariah 4.6 The prophet looks at, at a vision of the restoration of the nation and he says, Lord, how can these things be? And the Lord speaks to him and says, it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Friends, let me tell you this morning, there's a world outside of these walls that has not given thought to church attendance this morning. They've not given thought to lifting their hands and worshiping Jesus. They've not given thought to giving thanks to God for the roof that's over their head or the food that's in their mouth or the air that's in their lungs. And they need to know before this world comes to an end, before Jesus comes for his own, they need to understand that they are blessed, that they have a Savior that loves them, that they have a God who loves them so much that he sent his only begotten Son. That whoever among them would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Can I tell you, friends, that there are a lot of people outside of these walls and I'm not pointing my fingers and I'm not placing condemnation this morning. I'm just telling you the truth. Apart from a salvation experience, they are on their way to hell. And what you and I as a church and as a body of believers need to be most concerned with in this world 
is that the people around us have an adequate witness of the, of the gospel of Jesus Christ under the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because it will not be by might, it will not be by power, but it will be by the Spirit of the living God that the church of Jesus Christ rises up and takes hell's territory back over again and we see people saved and set free and delivered by the power of God. Now back to my point. We also learn from Scripture that unity is the conduit through which the Holy Spirit flows through the body of Christ. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Acts 2 says, they were all in one place with one accord. If you're reading most any... People argue different translations of Scripture and all this stuff you know, like crazy, and, and, and I, don't get me wrong. My question to you is not what translation of Scripture you're reading, but it's are you reading the Scripture? Because I believe any of them reveal to us more than we're going to be able to attain in this lifetime anyway. But there's one very important theological principle that's missing out of almost any other translation outside of the King James. And that is in Acts chapter 2 when it says the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place. And that's it. Well, let me tell you something. We can all be in the same edifice and all come with a different mindset and a different purpose and a different agenda. We can be in the same room and be as divided as we want to be. But if we want the Spirit of God to move in our midst, those things have got to perish. Those things have got to go by the wayside and we've got to come in one place with one accord looking for the Holy Spirit to do something brand new in our hearts and our lives. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one place with one accord and there came a sound from heaven like as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them divided tongues like as a fire and set upon each of them and they began to speak with tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. I told you last week, I'll tell you again this week, the emphasis of that verse is that as the Spirit gave the utterance, I'm tired of learned religion. I'm tired of learned protocol and format for a church service. I'm ready for God to do something in my life and in my church that only the enablement of the Holy Spirit can bring about. Now... We're going to return to some of those characteristics of a peacemaker as we approach the end of this message. But right now I want to move to the next phrase of this verse and let's look at the part of the blessing. It says, the peacemakers are blessed for they shall be called. Jesus says that as the believer manifests the spiritual quality of peacemaking, they shall be called. Our peacemaking is going to earn us a label. Our peacemaking is going to cause us to have a designated title. Our peacemaking is going to earn us an identity. 
Now quickly, I want to point this out to you today, that there seems to be no real designation as to who's doing the calling. And we don't really need that designation because we've all done things in the past and we've been called something because of it. How many of you have ever done something and you've been called something because of what you've done? Some flattering and some not so much. I understand. Some of you have done some heroic things and it's caused others to call you a hero. Some of you have done some nice things and people have called you kind. Some of you have done tender things and you were designated as sweet. Sometimes you've done things that have given rise to occasions and you were labeled in those not so flattering ways. But we're given, we are given scriptural evidence that lets us know that the world is watching to ascertain the authenticity of our faith. John 13, 35, Jesus says this, By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. Jesus also says in Luke 6, 44, Every tree is recognized by its own fruit. People don't pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from the briars. Acts chapter 11 verse 26 gives us this interesting little piece of history here. It says, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. So, so for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. That's the first time anybody was ever called a Christian, was at Antioch. How did they get called a Christian? Not because they sat around in the church house, but because they exhibited Christ's likeness in the community. And, and, and that caused a people to rise up around them and call them something that they recognized in them. And they said, these people bear Christ's likeness. They are Christians. So we, we know that the act of peacemaking will serve as an identifying quality in our lives, but whom does it identify, with whom does it identify us? As we consider this phrase, the children of God, I just want to share with you, there's no deep spiritual connotation here. I can't take you to the original language this morning and show you anything more than what's rendered here at face value. As a matter of fact, I did look it up in the original language, and here's how children of God is translated. It's children of God. The simple application of what Jesus is teaching here is that being peacemakers, as being peacemakers, we bear an evidential resemblance to whom we say we belong. In, in the natural realm... I have characteristics that bear the fact, the undeniable fact, that I am my father's son. There's no denying the fact. Likewise, there are characteristics and tendencies and favors that clearly attest to the fact that I am my mother's child. But just a side note here. I've also seen some people whose favor betrayed them. They might have looked like their mother, but they didn't look like their daddy at all. As a matter of fact, if you knew the community well enough, you might have an idea whose blood ran through their veins 
But in your mind, they were mama's baby and daddy's maybe. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They could tell you who their father was all they wanted to, but you were always suspicious because they didn't bear the characteristics of the man they called father. And I'm telling you, we can tell people that we're the children of God all that we want to, but they'll always be suspicious until we bear the characteristics of the man we call our father. There are some people, however, that you've ever seen, I know you've seen some, that, and you knew the preceding generation of their family, and as you watch that life grow and take form, you begin to recognize that they bore the irrefutable marks of kinship with their preceding generation. It's clearly evidence in their lives that they were born of that previous generation, and, and we, we, all know, you know, we all know those type of people as well. I've seen some people, and I, I say, look, I don't know who you are. It's the first time I've ever met you, but is your father X, Y, or Z? Well, yes, he is. Why do you ask? Well, you look just like him. you got to be. I knew it. And Jesus says that's the way it'll be with us. As we live our lives purposing to be peacemakers, that is going to be one of those qualities and characteristics that is so undeniably inherited from our Heavenly Father and wrought in our lives by the work of the Holy Spirit that it will cause those who are looking on our lives to say, these are undeniably the children of God. You see, why do I say that? I say that because God is the ultimate peacemaker. You understand that God didn't send his son to die for you when you had your mess together. When you had gotten everything all straightened out and when you had earned your right. No, the word says that we were of a carnal mind and being carnally minded is to be at enmity against God. We, we weren't his friend, we were his foe. But in that it says, uh, Isaiah prophesied, of the coming Messiah and he says this for to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders and he will be called the wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father and the prince of peace he is Jesus is the prince of peace and if we say we're born of Christ Christ is the prince of peace then we need to have that characteristic in our lives that says we're his child I want you to think about the reconciliatory nature of God. Galatians 4, Paul writes to the church and says, But when the fullness of time had come, that God sent his son into the world. Now consider that with me here for a minute. This was a time when the, what is the fullness of time? Let me help you identify here. It was a time when the established religion that most closely aligned with any form of God-likeness was riddled with hypocrisy. It was full of vanity and void of any power whatsoever. It was a time that was inside the Lord's house, mind you. And the outside was worse because they didn't even have any restraint of having to maintain an image of holiness. But God didn't dispense to them what they deserved he didn't give them what they had coming 
He didn't stand idly by and watch to see them get what they deserve. No, no, no. He radically and extraordinarily pursued peace with them by sending his son to die on the cross so that they could be justified and have peace with God. In Romans 5.1, we read this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Prince of Peace, and if I'm going to tell anybody that I am born of Him, that His blood runs, covers me, then I need to be sure I'm manifesting that quality and that characteristic in my life. Let me give you some application here this morning and we're going to close. The goal of the peacemaker is not to prove a point. It's not to argue our point of view. You see, to be a peacemaker, I must die and we must thrive That has to be the premise of our argument. Not I am right and you are wrong. But I must die and we must thrive. There there are always going to be times when we disagree. There are people in the Lord's house who love Jesus just as well as I do who serve just as faithfully as I do, they give as much as I do, but they have different preferences than I do as well. They have different ideologies about certain things than I do. They espouse different political views than I do. And and I'm not going to get on social media and ask them how can they be a Christian and do that. I don't know, that's between them and Jesus. The peacemaker's goal is reconciliation, specifically to God, secondarily together in Christ. And the great news about the church is that we're not here to promote personal preference. We're not here to promote human ideologies. We're not here to discuss political platform. We're here to uphold and to herald the truth of God's word and advance the agenda of the kingdom of God. I am Christ's ambassador in this world. I'm not here to speak for anybody else. One songwriter wrote, I ain't singing for Pepsi, ain't singing for Coke, ain't singing for nobody. It makes me look like a joke. Sometimes that's where we are. We get so caught up in the physical when we're really called to be representing the kingdom of God, not the kingdoms of this earth, but primarily and the priority of our lives needs to be the promotion of the kingdom of God. There are going to be times when you want so badly to give somebody a piece of your mind. And you want to do it so bad. But I'll give you two pieces of advice here as we close. Some of us, myself included, don't have as many pieces to give away as we think we do. That's number one. 
Second, and more to the point, we need to be sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit in those times. And I promise you, you'll hear him redirect and remind you that your life is not about you. It's not about who has done you wrong. It's not about the violation of your rights or the knives in your back. It's about him getting glory through your life. And no, there's no way, there's no way for God to gain greater glory through my life than for me to look across at somebody else who's done me wrong or look in the eye of somebody else that I don't agree with and just say, you know what? These are secondary issues. The primary issue here is that you and me walk together in the bond of unity and the Spirit of God and that we walk together through this thing called life and we experience the goodness of God together and we grow together in the things of the Lord. Will the Lord transform my perspective of your or yours, either one? If it needs to be. If it needs to be, He will. I'm telling you that it's in those times when the pressure is applied to your emotions and the situations are tense. If you can go to someone who has offended you, if you can approach that one who has transgressed against you, moreover, if you can reach out to that one who has transgressed against God himself, as much as it depends on you, and seek to live peaceably with them, God will be glorified in your life. Consequently, you'll manifest the nature and the character that will cause others to recognize you. Oh, hey. It's evident to me now. It's obvious to me now whose child you are. You, obviously, are a child of the Most High God, the Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, you obviously are one of his children because you bear the peacemaking quality and characteristic in your life. Blessed are the peacemakers. Oh, let me tell you something. We got enough noisemakers. We got enough joy takers. What we really need are some peacemakers some peacemakers in the body of Christ in the world around us maybe we need to set aside some things that we realize are causing us divisiveness with our brothers and sisters we need to prioritize we need to know what's primary what's secondary and we need to let go of what's good and embrace what's best. Would you stand with me? I want to pray threefold this morning. Number one, I want to pray for anybody under the sound of my voice 
who in this moment you realize you are one of those who stand at enmity with God. You're not reconciled to him through Christ Jesus. You came here this morning searching and longing and looking for something that you realized had escaped your life and has been elusive to you in every other form or fashion you've tried to find it. You've been looking for peace. Today, I want you to know that you can leave this place introduced and well acquainted with the Prince of Peace. Every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to just ask you this morning to say, if you're in this place and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you don't live in the peace that he affords you, we want to pray with you before we dismiss this service today. So if that's you, would you just slip a hand up wherever you are? We want to believe God together with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let me just pray this quickly and then we'll move on. If you raised your hand right now, right then, I want you to pray along with the rest of us because we're all going to pray this together. And we're going to pray, Heavenly Father, I realized that my sin had ruined my peace with you. In this moment, I ask you to forgive me. I receive in my life Christ's restoring work. Let my life be filled with peace. I give my heart to you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that very simple prayer, and you never have, we believe that you're born again. It's that simple. There's no need to complicate it. Would you let somebody else know? Would you let one of our pastoral team know today before you leave? If you prayed that prayer, we want to celebrate that with you. The next thing I want to pray for is I want to pray for something that I believe is vexing to humanity and the body of Christ is not exempt. And that is for relationships. that have been tainted that neither side is willing to allow pride or vanity to perish and come in submissive humility to their brother or sister in Christ and ask for restoration and reconciliation And I'm not even going to ask you to raise hands this morning. If, if you fit that category, you know it. And then the third thing that we're going to pray for is this nation. We need some peacemakers. We need some peacemakers in this nation. Like I said, we've got plenty of noisemakers. But we need some peacemakers. 
We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.